good morning. My name is Pastor Kevin. I am the student ministries pastor here. Yeah, thank you. A lot more lively than first service. But um, anyway, I want to start out by telling you a story of how I was a fool. And so many of you are probably familiar with these mystery boxes that you can get. I just saw a commercial for one. If you're pregnant, you can buy a mystery box, and these things just show up at your door with products you tr can try. Or like meal planning, maybe coffee, tea. Uh, I've seen golf ones. I've seen fishing ones where like each month you get a brand new lure. And so two years ago, I was, kinda, I was in the doctor's office just kind of flipping through Facebook, and I found this one, this mystery subscription box for men right? It was like, be a man, get these manly things. And I was like, I could use some of that, right? This may be a shocker to you. I'm not the most outdoorsy type. Uh, I believe I'm the only male staff person uh, at Great Oaks that doesn't carry a pocket knife around at all times. <laughs> I just figure I can borrow theirs if I need to. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy this. It's going to be a good investment. You know, I'm going to get some cool stuff, might jack up my man points a little bit. So I buy this box. And so the first one comes, and in it is this guy. And I'm like, awesome, how sweet is this, right? I like knives and swords and such, right? And so I show this to my wife, and my wife is just bewildered, like, what are you doing? Like, who are you? You know, we haven't gone camping in nine years of dating and marriage. Like, what are you going to use that for? I was like, I don't know. I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll find stuff. So basically, I've opened up mail with it. Uh, <laughs> And, you know, so I was like, okay, well, let's, let's see what the next month's box is going to be, right? And so I'm pretty sure I use this to open up the box, right? Get my money's worth. And I pull out, and I find this new shirt. I'm like, cool, like, look at this thing. Not really my style, but I'll probably wear that. I haven't worn it, right? It's still hanging up in my closet. And then the next month comes by, and I open up the box, and I don't even remember what it was in. I'm like, Okay, like, this is, this is just not worth it. Like, I'm just wasting money at this time. So I, like, send it back, try to get my money back. Spent three months trying to cancel the subscription. Whatever, like, I fell for it. I was a fool, right? I fell for the advertisement and, like, this whole idea of being a man, right, and being part of this manly club. I fell for it. And in the wise words of Mr. T, I pity the fool, right? <laughs> and so, as Scripture tells us, we are to seek wisdom and not foolishness, right? And so this whole idea of generosity, and so as being a wise steward with the resources that God has given us. And so Pastor Chase two weeks ago talked about being generous with our money, which is what we normally think of. But then Pastor Nate talked about being generous with our time. And this week, I'm going to talk about being generous with our relationships. And so when it comes to being a steward, if we live out the biblical principle of being generous, we need to understand that we are going to live differently than the world around us. And so that brings me to 1 Corinthians 3.8, which says this. Let no one deceive himself. If any among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may... Sorry, the page turn. Become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For it is written... He catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, and they are futile. And so it's this idea, right, that being a fool for Jesus, right? Are you ready to act a fool? And that's my question for you. Are you ready to act a fool? Not in a ludicrous way, right? Anybody? Nobody? At least first service. Someone, right? It's a song. Look, don't look it up. Actually, don't look it up. 
Um, it's a song. Uh, but in a way for Jesus. And understanding that God, if we live biblically, that we will look foolish to the world. And so if we, as we apply that to our relationships, that if we live a generous life with our relationships, we will look foolish. And so I'm going to kind of build on that today and kind of talk about that God wants us to be a fool for him. And so what I mean by that is we look at the book of Philemon in just a second, that fool. So for future's good, other's good, our good, and Lord's good. And so I'll dive into those in just a second, but I'm going to pray, and then we're going to dive into the book of Philemon. And so if you want to open up there or pull it up on your YouVersion app, and I will explain what I mean by being a fool. So pray with me. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for today, Lord. I thank you for those who are joining us in person as well as online as we dive into the book of Philemon to see what you have for us, to how we can live this generous lifestyle, how we can be a fool for you. And so, Lord, I pray that these words be your words. I pray that they challenge us today, that we can walk out of here living more like the way you want us to live, to be generous in our relationships. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so the book of Philemon is a personal letter from Paul to Philemon. They're creative with their book titles. And so, but what we see in this is that it's in regards to a bondservant, Onesimus. And so we're going to pick up, we're going to be kind of jumping around the book of Philemon a lot, and we're going to start in verse 8. And so I'm going to read that and kind of give a little bit of background and then dive in what I, kind of explaining this fool idea. And so in verse 8 it says this, Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. And so in this, and, and kind of studying the book of Philemon, if you've studied it before, and we'll, we'll kind of unpack some things, but we know that Philemon, or Onesimus, was a bondservant servant to Philemon. And that he escaped, and so more than likely he stole money, he stole goods to fund this escape, and he ends up in Rome. And in doing so, he ends up meeting Paul. And in that meeting Paul, Paul explains to him who Jesus is, and he's transformed by the gospel. And so we see in this that Paul is, sees this desperate guy who is fleeing for his life. He's lost, and he explains the gospel and allows God to work and move in his life, right? And we know there's actually an interesting theory, and I actually believe it to be true. I don't have time to unpack it for you, but that Onesimus ends up becoming one of the great bishops of the church of Ephesus. And whether that's true or not, and I would love to tell you why I think that separately, but whether that's true or not, we know that Paul was future-focused because we see how he trained and equipped future leaders of the church. And we see that in Timothy and Titus. And so we see how he is pouring into Onesimus. He's seeing this lost servant who is desperately searching for something, and he takes him in, and he starts to develop a relationship with him. And one of the things that I believe, and you can probably understand as being the pastor of student ministries, that I love seeing young people come to know and grow in their relationship with Jesus. I'm passionate about it. 
and that, yeah, um, and I believe that the church is healthier when there are intergenerational relationships be taking place. And actually, research shows it, that one of the keys to having young people stick with their faith in church is by developing intergenerational relationships inside the church. And so, one of the things that I think happens is there's a saying within student ministry that students don't care what you know until they know you care. And we see this more and more, even within student ministry and the, and the young generations, there's a trendy word that's coming up that's appearing a lot, is that younger generations don't just give authority to people. They have a re relational authority, meaning that things that used to carry weight or have authority don't anymore, right? When Walter Cronkite used to say, and that's the way it is, we could, we could believe it. We could trust that that was the way it was. But now you look at news sources and it's just basically what's going to sell better, what's going to get the clicks, what's going to have the better headlines. And so you can't trust all these things. So now younger generations are growing up trusting who they know and what they know. And that's the relational authority that these generations are giving, which means it's even more important that the older generations are developing relationships with the younger generation because they're desperately searching for truth and wisdom. But yet they give authority to those who are in relationship with them. But then as we look in Philemon, we also see that he benefits from this relationship as well, right? And we'll kind of discover that Philemon, or Paul has a heart for Onesimus. He talks about that he's being useful. And uh, one of the things that's kind of interesting is looking at that where he says he once was useless, but now he's useful. That's a play on Onesimus' name, which means useful, right? Believe it or not, Paul actually had a sense of humor, which to some of you is kind of funny because he's kind of viewed as this cold-hearted person. And he's playing on top of this, and he has a heart for this young man. And so we see that, that he's benefiting. And I also think that the church benefits from having the, the youthfulness, the energy, the passion that comes from having students and kids as part of their church, right? We don't have to look too far than this front row during worship, right, as they're bouncing up and down and worshiping and praising Jesus. And I know that countless of you have told me that this is an inspiration to watching them worship Jesus in a pure way is an inspiration to you, right, of seeing that. And that benefits the church. The church is healthy when it has intergenerational relationships. And so the first way that I see God wanting us to be generous in our relationships within the book of Philemon is for the future's good. The second way is for others' good. And so this is similar in the same way, but only it doesn't have the generational aspect. And so for this, we're going to go back to verse 8, and it says this. Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. So I love verse 8. Because Paul, right, uh, says that um, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you what is required, basically Paul's being like, look, I can tell you what to do because I'm the Apostle Paul. You may have heard of me. I'm kind of a big deal, right? I have the authority to do that. But for your sake, I'm going to appeal to you, right? And he's doing it for 
Onesimus, right? He's doing it for someone else. His relation, he's using his relationship for someone else. And I also think as I read through this, I'm reminded of Paul, and I think Paul's probably thinking through of his conversion in Acts 9. And if you're familiar with the story, Paul, back then Saul, which is confusing, but Saul, Paul, was on the way to Damascus. He was on his way to bind up and to bring back people who believed in Jesus for punishment, for trial, and probable death. And he's blinded on the way, and Jesus appears to him and says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Right? And then he's left, blinded in Damascus. And then he appears to a man, Ananias. And he basically said, he tells him that I want you to go and be a blessing and pray for Paul so that he may receive sight. And Ananias is like, this is my paraphrase, uh, no, like, he has a past. I know what he's done. I've heard about what he's done to other people. I know what he has the authority to do. I know why he came here. I'm not going. I'm not leaving this comfort, my friends, the safety. No way. And then God basically explains to him what he is about to do with Paul, how Paul has been changed. And so Ananias goes and he prays. And we're told that something like scales fall off his eyes. And then, which that in itself is foolish, right? You go to the very, going to the very man who is there to capture you and your friends and bring you back to punishment, possible jail, and maybe killed. That's foolish. But then we're told in verse 19, I think that this is what Paul was probably thinking about, that he stayed in Damascus for a while with the disciples. Could you imagine some of those conversations? Right? <laughs> like he's probably killed some friends and family members. And, and then Ananias is like, no, no. He has changed. He once was useless, but now he's useful. No, no, he's different. He's been changed by Jesus, right? He's vouching for him. And so as we read this, we see in verse 17, I think that this is what Paul is thinking back, that when he was first a Christian, seeing that, and then we see him write this. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. And I think that he is saying that, to, he's vouching that I've seen the change in this young man. I've seen how he's been transformed for the gospel and I vouch for him. And I am sending him back to you and I would want you to receive him as you would receive a dear friend. He's sending back the very person who hurt him, who stole from him, his own previous bondservant, and saying, I want you to receive him as you would receive me. That's foolish. That's foolish. Right? But it's easy to say, okay, like, it's in the Bible. Like, you know, what does that look like today? And I've seen, and I had the privilege of knowing a family in Minnesota, uh, Rick and Mavis. And by far the most generous people that I know, not because of what they gave out of money, but because of what they gave with time and in their relationships. And I've seen how they have poured into their family, into their grandkids, but also how they've given time to the people that they're mentoring, discipling, and the ministries that they're a part of. And I've also seen how they've used their house as a blessing. And this is something that Rachel and I have actually tried to use our house as well. 
that they would have an open door policy that anyone could come and stay with them, whether it was missionaries, college students, or just people who need to stay the night. And then also seeing how Rick, as an engineer and growing up on a farm and can basically fix anything, uses that to benefit and to bless other people, using that to fix people's cars who can't pay for mechanics, going to people's houses and fixing things. And so seeing how God has used Rick and Mavis as a light, using their generosity within their relationships to be a light and ultimately point people to Jesus. And now I know it's easy to say, but if we're generous to other people, we could get hurt. They might take advantage of me or us or our generosity. And yes, they probably will. Someone will. And you probably will get hurt. But my question to you is, is God calling us to something bigger and better than, than living in our own safety bubbles? Living within, as Ananias left the safety and comfort and precautions and his preference to go and to be a blessing to other people. And now there are relationships that God is calling us to protect. He does call us to protect our marriage and to put up boundaries to make that, keep that sacred. He does call us to protect our kids, those that he has entrusted to us. So yes, there are those, but oftentimes I feel like we, we, we like being in our own, right? And the comfort of people around us. And I think back to Jesus as he's washing the disciples' feet in John. And Jesus washes all the disciples' feet, including Judas, knowing that Judas was going to betray him. And so... And we're told that as he goes through, his three BFFs, right, Peter, James, and John, the ones that are closest, the inner three, you would think that they would probably know. They would probably know Jesus a little bit. Maybe he's treating Judas just a little bit differently, but are shocked when Jesus said, one of you in here are going to betray me. They couldn't even see that Jesus treated Judas any differently, knowing he was the one who was going to betray him. And so, it's easy to say, well, that was part of God's plan. He was up to something bigger. Yes. But I believe that God is at work not only in their life, but he's also in work in our lives. And that brings me to the second O in fool, which is God wants us to be generous in our relationships for our good. And for this, we're going to go to verse 12 and read this. I'm sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be from compulsion, but your own accord. So there's two, two things that I want to point out to this, that Paul, right, is sending Onesimus back. And so in this, we see a change not only in Anismus, but then also what we think, what Paul is hoping for in Philemon. And so Onesimus was a bondservant, right? Kind of established that. And so he, fed, he fled for freedom. He left. And now he's come into a relationship. He's been transformed by the gospel. And now he's willingly going back to Philemon. And actually, we believe that he probably carried the letter that Paul wrote. We find in Colossians that he was going with the, the party that was carrying the letters. And so we have him over here fleeing, right, trying to get out of it. 
to all of a sudden willingly going back to face the consequences of his actions. And under Roman law, Philemon could basically do whatever he wanted to Onesimus. Severely punish, even to the point of death. And so that's what he's willing, he's risking that in order for this idea of reconciliation, that God's heart is always towards reconciliation. Facing his Philemon, the person that he hurt, going back, asking for forgiveness, going back where he's willing to risk going back into servanthood, risking severe punishment, even death, for reconciling with a brother in Christ. And so we have that on Onesimus. We see the change that's happened in him, right, in that relationship with working with Paul, Paul probably feeding into him of unity, unity, unity. You need to go back. You need to reconcile with him. There is a bigger and better thing going on. You need to go back. And we see that change in Onesimus. But then what about Philemon? And for this, we're going to turn to verse 14. And we see that Paul writes, But I prefer to do nothing without your consent, in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but by your own accord. In other words, he's saying, I could have just kept Onesimus with me and said, Hey, thanks for your generosity. Thanks for your generous gift of sending someone to me. But instead, I'm sending him back. I didn't want to take that away from you. right? I didn't want to force your hand... Uh, as it said, out of compulsion, but on your own free will. And now, scholars kind of link this to uh, verse 6, which we didn't read, but we're going to read out of the New Living Translation, because I think it really helps us with the Greek of understanding something. And this is Paul's prayer. This is what Paul is hoping is going to happen in the life of of Philemon. He is hoping that this will happen. And so, in verse 6, it says this, And I'm praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ. And Paul is praying that Philemon will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ. And so he is sending back the person who hurt him and his family, so that he can extend generosity, that he can give forgiveness, grace, mercy, basically that he can enter into a deeper understanding of the love of Christ, right? A deeper connection to that of Christ, because while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Our sin is what put Christ on the cross. Our betrayal is what broke that relationship, and so God knows about that kind of a relationship. That while you don't deserve it, God gave you grace. And, he, and Paul is saying, I don't want to rob you of that. I don't want to rob you of that expression and that knowledge of what it is to give that grace freely back to someone. To give that forgiveness of having that knowledge and experience. And here's the thing. That 2 Corinthians 3.18 tells us that God is continually trying to mold and shape us into the image of Christ. That he is trying to move us into a deeper understanding and connection with Jesus. And I know that oftentimes for me, that's through relationships. And we use this fancy word called sanctification. 
right? Only really use it in church. Sanctification, that God uses relationships to stretch and grow us, to sanctify us, to becoming more and more like Jesus. And I've seen it in my own life. I've seen how God has used it to grow me, to stretch me. I've seen how God has used it to challenge me. I've seen how he's used it to encourage me. I've seen how relationships have hurt me, but they have made me more and more in the image of Christ. They've helped me grow as a person. As I was preparing this message, I was reminded of an amazing story of forgiveness. And it's the story of Corey Ten Boom. And some of you may know who she is because she wrote the book Hiding Place, where she documents how her family hid Jewish people during the Holocaust. And so, as because of that, they ended up in a concentration camp where she lost her, her dad and she also lost her sister. And so, in this, so she, she makes it out of the concentration camp and she becomes a speaker and she's talking about the depth of forgiveness. And two years later, she's in Germany and she finished speaking and a man comes walking up to her. And as soon as she sees him, she realizes that he was an SS guard at the concentration camp. And so we have a video of her telling that story and how God met her to help her to forgive this man. So watch this video. It was some time ago that I was in Berlin. And there came a man to me and said, Ah, Mr. Bohm, I am glad to see you. Don't you know me? And suddenly I saw that man that was one of the most cruel aufseers in concentration camp. And that man said, I have, I'm now a Christian. I have found the Lord Jesus. I read my Bible and I know that there is forgiveness for all the sins of the whole world, also for my sins. I have forgiveness for the cruelties I have done, but then I have asked God grace for an opportunity that I could ask one of my very victims forgiveness. And Fräulein Zambom, will you forgive me? And I could not. I remembered the suffering of my dying sister him but when I saw when I experienced that I could not forgive suddenly I knew I myself have no forgiveness but I was not able I could not I could only hate him and then I took one of these beautiful texts one of these boundless resources Romans 5 5 and thank you Father, that your love is stronger than my hatred and unforgiveness. That same moment, I was free. And I could say, brother, give me your hand. And I shook hands with him. And it was as if I felt God's love stream through my arms. You never touch so the ocean of God's love as that you forgive your enemies. Can you forgive? No. I can't either. But he can. And so that's a powerful story of her telling how she forgives 
someone who tormented her, right? An SS guard at the concentration camp who caused her pain, hurt, to, to a level that I can't even imagine. And yet, even saying, like, she, she knew she needed to, but she couldn't. And so she had to lean into the power of God, trusting in God to grow, it, to grow her, to stretch her to the point where she could extend her hand to shake the hand of an SS guard. That's foolish, right? It would be easy for her to just be like, no, what you did is unforgivable, but that's not what God calls us to. God calls us to reconciliation. God calls us to love. God calls us to extending forgiveness. And in that, even as Corey talked about, that that was a deeper level of love that she had ever experienced. And that is what Paul is doing to Philemon. He does not want to rob him of experiencing that, of extending that grace, extending that generosity to his bondservant. And so God wants us to be generous in our relationships for our good. And so that leads me to the last point, L. So this is for all the, the older people. So L is for the way you look at me. All right, so there we go. Some, they don't get it, but that's okay. Um, and that is also why I'm not on the big stage, right? I only get to come on the mini stage because, yeah, you heard why. But no, L is for Lord's good. That God wants us to be generous in our relationships for the Lord's good. And so for this, we're going to turn to verse 15. And it says this, For this perhaps is why he had parted from you a while, that you might have him back forever. And the key that I want to focus on is that little, the first part, for this perhaps, and that phrase, that Greek phrase, scholars debate over. And actually, there's sermons that, that's a sermon for a whole other time, because it's indicating that God is involved in this somehow, some way. And so whether or not, how you take that, how you play into that. But what we do know is in another letter written by Paul, he wrote this, that we know that in all things, God is working for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. That in some way, some form, or some shape, that God is actively involved in this relationship, that he may be parted from you so that he may become and know the transforming power Christ. And so scholars link this back to the story of Joseph. And maybe you know Joseph from the amazing Ten of Color Dreamcoat, the musical with the good music, right? He's got this fancy coat, he's jealous, and his brothers sell him into slavery. And then he ends up being falsely accused, he ends up in prison, right? But then he is raised up to become the second most powerful man in the world at the time. And he interprets a dream saying that there's going to be a shortage of grain. And so Egypt is the only place that has food during this time. And so, and it brings his brothers back to him, to bow before him, just as he dreamed earlier that caused some of that jealousy. And this is what Joseph has to say to them in verse uh, Genesis 45, 7 and 8. And then also we see it in Genesis 50. And it says this, And God sent me before you to preserve you for a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many saviors, survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. That is what Joseph said to the very brothers who betrayed him and sold him into slavery because they were jealous. 
And I'm sure at points in time, he was super angry with them. How could you not be? But understanding and having a kingdom mindset, having your mind set on things above, knowing that God is at work in our relationships, doing things that we can't even fathom or understand until maybe later, and saying that it was not you who sent me here, but it was God. And so as we get ready to close, and I'm going to share a, a personal story with you in a second, but understanding that God made you relational. God made you in his image, and he is a relational God. He made you to be in relationships, and God moves and works through those relationships. And so God wants you to be generous in your relationships for future good, others' good, our good, and the Lord's good. And so as I stand here, I have a confession to make. And so before I came to Illinois, I was hurt. I was hurt emotionally by a man. And, and as I was preparing this message, and I can even, reflecting back, and I can see how God used this, future good, others good, our good, Lord's good, in this situation. And I was hurt. And so there was an older man, a wiser man, who came, and he met with me several times to help me process through the hurt and the things that happened. And one of the things he did is he challenged me to reconcile with the person who hurt me. Very similar to what Paul did to Onesimus. Challenged me to reconcile. And I remember sitting in the caribou lobby, and I remember talking with him and just saying, you know what, I know that that's true. I know that that's a good idea, but I'm just not ready. I'm not ready to forgive him. And he said, you know what, I will come with you. I'll help mediate. I'll sit in on that meeting with you. Right? He was trying to help in any way. He was doing the other. He was trying to help me forgive. And I remember, and I said, you know, thank you. I'll let you know when I'm ready. And so a couple weeks went by, months went by. And during that time, I was in the interview process here at Great Oaks, and I could see how God was using that pain, using that hurt to bringing me here. And I believe that God called me here to Great Oaks. He led my family and I to Illinois. I believe that. And seeing how God was at work in that hurt, in that pain. And that helped soften my heart towards him. But I never made the priority. I never made that meeting with him. And I remember, if you would have asked me, I would have said, I'm good. You know, I'm never going to have to see him again. Just unfollow him on Facebook. Whatever. I'm good. I'm doing fine. And then... As time went by over this past year, right, things started to come up. Things happened. And all of a sudden, I was like, why do I react that way? Why am I getting angry? Why did I take offense to that? Why is this bothering me so much? And as I prayed and as I reflected, this conversation kept coming up. God kept bringing up that you have not reconciled with your brother. And I know it was easy for me to just kind of be like, ah, oh, it's 2020. What a crazy year, right? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, everyone's kind of having outbursts and whatever, you know? It's just a stressful time. But as I was preparing this message, knowing that I was going to be on this stage, I knew, I knew that I had to forgive him. It was doing so good. 
I knew that I had to forgive him. And this, this message wrecked me, and as you can see, it was emotional. It was hard. But I reached out. And I told him <coughs> that I forgive you, that I have forgiven you. And that I prayed for his family. I prayed for his ministry. And I can honestly say, Ryan, even as I'm emotional right now, there was freedom in that. That weight is gone. I don't have that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have that. And I can honestly say, like, looking forward, I can feel a difference in doing that. Things that don't bother me nearly as much, right? Like something that I would have probably like been all upset about. I was just like, whatever, it's not a big deal. And that freedom is gone. I'm experiencing that, that different level of extending that grace just as God gave to us, right? Of entering in. And that is what Paul is trying to do for Philemon. Of giving him this opportunity to experiencing a deeper level of God, by extending forgiveness, extending grace, extending mercy to Onesimus. And so, as we close, I want to give you an opportunity. I want you to not be like me, to take this opportunity to reflect what is God doing in your life right now. And so maybe he's tapping you on the shoulder and saying, I need you to be involved in a younger generation or older generation that being involved, whether that's student ministry, children's ministry, whether that's your grandkids, whether that's your kids, whether that's involved in a nonprofit, somewhere where you're intentionally pouring into younger generations trying to develop that relational authority that you can help bring some wisdom and truth into them. Maybe it's others. Maybe it's people in your life. Maybe it's coworkers, neighbors, or just someone who desperately needs help. Maybe you're a, I'm not a people person, I'm more a machine person. Maybe you have skills that you could help people with, right? And maybe, maybe God might use that skill to, in that relationship, to grow you into more of a people person. But that's besides the point. But could you be doing something to help people, right? Do you have a trade that you know? Maybe you're a hairstylist, you could help cut people's hair or teach them how to do it. Maybe you have a business that you can bring people alongside and show them. How can we be more generous in reaching out for the benefit of others? And then, I bet that there's some of you that God is tapping you on the shoulder right now. Maybe he brought to mind someone that you need to extend grace to or someone that you need to ask forgiveness from. And so I would encourage you to not leave here without taking a step, whether that's talking to the person that came with, whether it's talking to me or a pastor or someone here of saying, hey, I'm maybe not ready to do that right now, but I want you to hold me accountable. I want you to check in with me in a week or whatever it might be, or can you help me have that conversation? Maybe you need to send that text right now. Hey, can we meet to talk? And I would encourage you to do it right now. Not let it wait. Don't be like me where all of a sudden things happen and now all of a sudden a year comes down and bitterness and things kind of, kind of come up in your life. Take care of it right now. And the last of having, knowing and understanding that God is at work, right? Trusting that he is in work in all things for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. That we have a kingdom mindset set above. 
that God is working in our relationships. And so my question for you is this. Are you ready to be a fool for God? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for today, Lord. I thank you for this group that are watching online as well as here. Lord, I pray that you, through the power of your spirit, bring bring to mind ways that we can continue to be more and more generous for you, Lord. Whether that's getting involved in a church, getting involved in, in a program, whether that's just being more intentional with the relationships, or whether there are certain people that come to mind that we need to seek reconciliation, that we need to seek that deeper level of you, Lord. And so, Lord, I pray over this group that may we be generous. May we live differently where the world looks at us and says, that's foolish, but really, it's wise in you. And so, Lord, we lift all this up in Jesus' name. Amen.